Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host, Patrick from Pull String Press for this great studio. Hey, Patrick. Uh, good morning, Mike. Happy summer to you, sir. As to you. Right, we had solstice last week. Did you go to the parade? 250,000 people I, I, I don't know. Just showed up to hang Just out with you? Just all dressed, and uh, it was fantastic. Nice. Solstice is, nice. is one of those great things Highlight that we love. Yeah. I love it. And I, this uh, today, uh, we have a first. All right, I'm ready. What's our first? We have a brother team with us. <laughs> have we never had sibling brother, I, brothers on this? I can't. Uh, one of our listeners is quickly going through the back catalog yeah, right now. A fact checker. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we have fact checkers. Mm-hmm. Jen, you haven't listened to all the episodes yet, volunteer, so that's your job. Volunteer fact checker. Go and figure it out. I'd like you to meet Joshua and Austin Janik. Hello. Hello. Hi, guys. Say hi. Okay, now, listener, <laughs> figure which one was which. Right, they're, they're twin voices. Uh, so in your they're left <laughs> ear is Joshua, and in your right ear is Austin. I think I've overtainted the conversation. They're not twins, though, right? Like they're not twins. Clear. Right. Yeah, twin they're voices. not twins. Okay. Twin voices. But there's the deep DNA here. Okay. And, and uh, you guys are, are here because, um, now tell me, you won the new venture competition or you placed in it? Tell we me won the won. new venture you competition. You won it? Yes. Wow. And that was the one we just had. That is, yes. And it was at California Lutheran University, and it was in the Hub 101. Is that where they do that? Yeah, they didn't host the actual competition at Hub 101. They right. hosted it at the Cal Lutheran campus, and oh. there were a whole bunch of teams that came in and pitched their ideas. Oh, nice. Yeah. And how many teams participated? Well, I know that there was an initial flood of teams that send in pitch decks, which is basically a PowerPoint presentation explaining the core of what their business is. Okay. And those get submitted to a panel of people who review them. And then of those pitch decks, five teams get selected to actually compete. Do you know how many pitch decks were submitted? I don't. I heard that the numbers in previous years have been around 15 to 20 teams submitting mm-hmm. and then five actually getting selected to compete. So, we've, uh, so Patrick, we've had, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe half a dozen of these winners of various competitions throughout the area here. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait to hear what the idea was. Because we've, <laughs> we've, heard, we've heard some interesting one, ones, guys. And I know, you know, because you want to play close to the vest that so we won't go into real details. But what was it that, what do you think it was in your pitch deck that got you selected out of however many there were to be one of the five? Yeah, I think uh, there were a couple of factors. I think we, we had a very detailed pitch deck that really clearly outlined what our business proposition was. Okay. And I think that helped a lot. And also, even just how the pitch deck looked. It's not really a, a content thing, but so much as an aesthetic thing, but making sure it looks professional, that the graphics are well-designed. Just communicate a level of seriousness about the business that I think helped us make it through that selection process. How do you research those aesthetics? What are you looking yeah, at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we're for us, we kind of went for kind of like an iOS 7-ish type of look. Our, our idea consisted around a... Sorry, our idea con- consisted around a mobile app. It was a mobile app. Okay. And so... He said iOS 7. We went for an oh. iOS 7 feel. Kind of wow. very simplistic. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Meaning like can, are you going to be my official yeah, translator? I can, tra- I can translate. Thank <laughs> you. Okay, yeah. good. 
So keep we keep going. So an iOS, a mobile app, keep going. Yeah, we kept around a kind of simplistic look okay. that a lot of apps are taking these days, but right. then very clean and very concise. So right. people could look at it and very quickly understand what we were trying to convey with yeah. our idea. And as we translated the pitch deck to the actual final pitch that we did in competition, we added a whole bunch of animations just to make things slide in and out and pop up so that when you're watching the presentation, it's really dynamic. What you're seeing on the screen right. represents the, the final product as much as possible. And that helps when you don't actually have a product. Yes, it does. Right? Yes. You've got you've to figure out how to get a sense of what this thing is going to be and that feels like. Exactly, because right? right. so much of it, especially at the beginning with these pitch competitions, is always just in the idea stage. And sure. that's a lot of where our app Weave was, which is a, the social networking application for college students. So we had the general idea, and we had a very small working prototype. But the rest of it, you have to just communicate through the pitch so people can get that broader sense of what you're talking about. Now, having written a social networking app in 2003 myself, and kind of when all of this was starting, so yeah. a long time ago, that's why I'm the grandpa on the table here. Uh, no laughing. I'm sorry. I was, uh, I'm sorry. I was just I was just transposing where they were at in 2003. But go ahead. Yes, <laughs> I was five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And we did it for the we did it for the TED conference. We created a, a networking app for them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And there. I mean, there's a billion now, at least a billion. Now there's a billion and one. What makes you guys different? What I've got to guess that the judges know that as well. So they saw something in your, was it in your approach or is it, was it in your market? What's going to make you guys stand out? Yeah, there were a couple unique components of what we were doing with our application. One of them was that it was based around localized networking. So when you first bring up the application, it figures out where you are based on your cell phone's location. So it's a geocentric. Exactly, and it puts it. you in a community with people around you. So since this app is based around colleges, whatever college you were in, it instantly connects you with all the other people in that college. Who have the app. Yes, who have the app. So everybody who has the app and is in a similar location get connected together, and then that's kind of the starting point. Who else has already done that, though? Yik Yak is an application that's done geo-networking like that. Yik Yak is actually a very interesting example because it had a very steep rise and then a very steep decline. Why was that? And it rose because it was a gossip app. So you'd log in. It was a gossip app. Yeah, and okay. people like especially on college campuses, being able to just post gossip about what they Listener, were Listener, you've got to look at how this Austin is lit up right now. I know, right? start talking <laughs> gossip app, he's just like lit. So, yes. okay, keep going. So with the uh, the gossip app, you would post something anonymously, and then anyone on the forum could it see it. It was all anonymous? Yeah, that's what Yik Yak was. Ugh. So okay. it's all anonymous. Yeah. And that is one of the things I think that did help contribute to the downfall of it, because over time, people would kind of get bored of it. But what also happened is Yik Yak changed their core strategy. They went from being just a very simple gossip app to trying to kind of become the next Facebook. They started forcing everyone to have profiles. Yeah. They changed their core system so it was more about like finding friends and getting people to add you back. And they just lost a lot of their user base after that. Because people like to gossip more than other things. Yeah, and I think people like familiarity, which is why if you ever have something that's working and you change it, you have to be really careful about doing that because yeah you might lose users in the process. Don't you think it's interesting that that as we have these apps and we're, we're trying new things all the time and we want new things, we want novelty, 
until we find something that works and we don't want novelty. <laughs> we don't want it to change. It's just ironic. Ironic. I think that yeah, yeah the, the Facebook homepage. There was a there was a moment what six seven years ago where where they were doing a, a, a refresh every you know six eight months. Uh, there'd be or a year there'd be this new refresh on the homepage, and, and the homepage has not had one of those refreshes. And I mean, somebody else could fact check that, but it's like been like seven years. So you're exactly right, Mark. That there's a certain moment where it's like, don't once once they get it to perfect critical mass. Don't change. Instagram did this when they when they shifted, yep. pivoted. Yep. That's right. Yep. a couple years ago. Yeah, yep. Facebook's a pretty interesting example of that too, because now I know when they do make changes, they they first release it just to a few users at a time. So a few make, million out of the two. Billion. Yeah, they'll be like, all right, a hundred thousand users. Right. Let's sure. Watch the update on them. See how they respond, and then depending on that response, we get yep. back. See if they'll change it for the entire ecosystem of people using the application. Yeah, but I mean, I remember when the newsfeed literally was a different, like, different position, you know, yeah. on the page, and 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 I remember when they kind of they they and there would be these mass movements against any change, right? right. Like, like there'd be right. huge groups, okay. exactly. Uh, but they haven't done that lately. They haven't done that. In, I mean. But yeah, that's the, yeah the beta users that come back and, and vet all of that stuff. But it's just it's very interesting to me that they haven't migrated any of their kind of major architecture. What's what's interesting? We're way in the weeds here, by the way. No, it's fine. <laughs> Listen, for all the people who don't care about software development, right. yeah. that, the yeah. user experience, that's okay. Go, you can listen to another episode. But this is interesting stuff because we all think about this when we're designing things for you, and one of them is that when we make a change, right? Because we we feel like this needs to change either it's from user feedback or we're learning better ways to do something. What happens is there's all of this training and education you have to redo then, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Just a ton of that stuff. So Which I'm, people are unwilling to retrain, but they're totally willing to learn a new app. Yeah. I want right? to hear. I want to hear about. I want to hear about Weave, though. I want to hear about what. So, how did you guys approach it differently? What was your? Yeah, we're, we how, were how on were unique, you, and then not, we got off. Not Yik Yak, but you guys were something else. Yeah. So one of the unique factors is our app wasn't supposed to be a gossip app. We didn't want that from the beginning. The localized communities was just a way to make it really easy to connect with people who you don't know, but who share near your community. You. What was okay. that? Okay, they're near you, or they exactly. we share something in common beyond geography, so exactly. you're at a school. Yes, you're at a school, and then we have a way where you can search for people who share interests and experiences that, that you like, so you can kind of find a network of people. Got it. And it's kind of a lot different than Facebook, because Facebook's all about connecting with people you really already know. It's not about finding new people, yeah, and no. what this app's about is finding people who you don't know. Yeah, so while Yik Yak was going and trying to be more like Facebook as the years went on, right. we're trying to be actually kind of a counter to Facebook where we're two separate things. Facebook's more about online communication with those people you know, and Weave is more about finding those people you don't know. What do you do once you find them? Yeah, it was, yeah. Is that where you're headed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, Weave encourages real face-to-face -face interaction, and that's where the localized communities play in. Because everybody you connect with is somebody in your general radius, you actually have the opportunity to go out and meet them face-to-face -face in the real world. So it's more of a, a pathway to get to that face-to-face -face interaction than the sole means of communication. Do you, do you think that this is in response to the, the challenge where we, with all this technology that purports to connect us more, we're actually more disconnected than ever yes. before? Yes. Yeah, and, and we really want that human connection. Yeah, it's, it's exactly that. We, we want human connections. and. 
I can talk with people on Facebook, but that's not the connection that people need when they're on a college campus or they're somewhere else. They, they need people in a local community, and that's what this app fosters and creates. Do you, um, so you guys both got to college, and, and that's where this – I mean, is that the – it seems like kind of a pretty straight line, like an Occam's Razor moment of like you guys <laughs> got to college and went, yeah. oh, you know what would be good here is a way to connect with the people I don't know that are around me. Exactly. I, Joshua and I are both students at Cal Lutheran, California Lutheran University, and we're both computer science majors. So it was kind of a, oh. a quick realization as we were uh, trying to find a project to work on and also something that would help students on campus this was a, a real fit for the job. Is this something that you would institutionalize by, by uh, partnering with uh, an institution to somehow kind of like create this as like a freshman experience or like add to their portfolio of like online, like, oh, by the way, you should come to our institution because we have this. Is that is that some of the forward thinking on where a, a platform like this could eventually go? Or w- what does the eventual, what does the, what does the five-year out uh, look like for you guys? Yeah, we have thought about that, you know, partnering up with the school institutions. And then we also thought of a somewhat unique monetization model for the application. Most apps like this are based on... Careful if this is a really good idea. I know, right? (laughs) I I won't spoil too much. Um, But so we're going to have ads, of course, which is just the general Facebook, Instagram model. But because we're a localized community, we also plan to network up with local businesses that are around the schools that generally don't advertise with services like Facebook or Instagram. Because they can't get into the game. It's too, it, like, you, exactly. how do you get into Facebook? It's too is, large. Yeah, it's too, right, the buy-in is too high. It's right a high right. buy-in, and yeah. it's more about big national brands usually are advertising right. on the platform, right. not local businesses. And that's where we would target that market that really is not utilizing the power of social media the way they could right now. You want the mom and pops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So w- what's interesting about the the pitch deck is that you had to have an exit strategy in there. Oh, do you really? Yeah. That they require you to, to have, what does it look like to make uh, an exit? It, well, if they're going to go get institutional money, yeah. they want to know how, how is the institutional money going to get their money back. Interesting. So before you've even started, you've got to talk about how you're going to finish and exit. Was that, a, was that a consideration for you guys? It was a consideration. We didn't end up talking about it as much as we did the other elements of the business plan, but we still were thinking about, okay, one, how do we get the money to build this thing? And then two, how do we keep it profitable? And then how would you exit in case you needed to? Not in case, when. When, yeah. exactly, yeah. <laughs> when, when Google, you know, finally comes down and comes. says, hey, you know, <laughs> P.S. We, we like you guys. Yeah, we'd like to get in a bidding war with somebody over you. So. Exactly. Right. I mean, that's, exactly, what, that's yeah. what you were all, everyone's dreaming about, right? I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. Right, there's, is it? I, uh, it is. Yeah, I, there's it's, a billion. I mean, there, there right now, there's an explosion in startups, explosion in co-working spaces, explosion. I mean, just here but in it's the region, a, it's what, all about nine. it's all about building something up and, and and growing it until it's beautiful enough that you can essentially sell it. You well, there's two paths. One is um, I want to flip it pre-revenue, sure. right? So I want to have this great thing, and I want to prove that it works. And we haven't made any money yet, and we're probably not going to make any money for a while. But it's such a clever idea that we're going to attract the interest from a suitor mm-hmm. who's going to come in. And then there's the build a great business that's got great revenue, and then you get bought for your revenue stream. So there's kind of two. It's did, it's tough. Did Blue Apron just go out on an IPO? Yeah, they did. And but they had to reduce their yeah. their ask before which they went tough. out, which is tough. Which was ugly. Yeah, that's it was just messy. not. Yeah, exactly. They went they went out at, at a lower rev point than yeah. they did on their last. Yeah, because you because you go out on the tour. It, that's a whole nother world. You still have to build it. You've got to make sure it works. And so we. But we you were, know what? But it does it does turn me towards. Do you guys are you guys looking around campus? 
talking to somebody in finance? Like, like you know, because like you guys have a specialty in CS. computer science. Yeah. So, are you guys looking for partners that are are going to be able to work with you on the other ends of it, in the other the other aspects of it? Yeah, we've definitely talked to some of the other students and teachers there who have a little bit more, you know, finance accounting background than we do, just to get a lot of their advice on, you know, how we should manage a, a company like this. And I think as we move forward, that's definitely going to become a more prevalent part of the conversations that we're having. Yeah. Joshua was nodding like he had sent, he was going to add something to that. <laughs> but part of that is building a team. So in the new venture competition, which is different than Startup Weekend, Yes. Right. Startup right. weekend, we've got a we pull together a team. Oh, of, you build it on site, right? Like you come up with the concept right Yeah. Right. With, right. with startup weekend, it's all about a whole bunch of students get there and you just make Jam. teams and you build something over a weekend and then you pitch it. It's yeah, very yeah. quick, very fifty six hours. Exactly. Yeah. You just have a, a really limited amount of time. With the new venture competition, you submit the pitches, like we mentioned, and then if you're selected, you go to the main competition day, which consists of two parts. Uh, the first is that you give a 10-minute pitch in front of a panel of investors. There are, I believe, five investors there who were the judges. They review mm-hmm. the pitches, select the winners. And so you give a 10-minute pitch, and then you have a five-minute segment where they just ask you questions about your business plan, about your business model, anything they have on their mind, they can ask you. So you just have to answer those questions for five minutes, and then there's five teams that go through that process. Do you get to watch the other teams go? You do. Yeah, I, they let I've us heard in that. previous years they haven't, but this year we were all in the front, so we yeah. got to watch every team as they go, which was fun for us because it's cool to see what other people are doing and, and thinking about. That's an amazing attitude that I imagine most of your competitors don't have. That's, that <laughs> might be true. It was really fun to watch all those people. It's like, no, most of them were sitting there just going, oh, Jesus, he nailed that. Oh, crap. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah. Did, now, so they, I guess there, there's no struggle of, of, like, they've clearly vetted you. So it's like, were you guys the only social network uh, pitched, or was there was there somebody else who was pitching on a social network? No, we were the only social network-based app. Yeah. There was another app there, but as for, like, just connectivity with other people, we were the only ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other app had a totally different purpose than any type of social media connection. Interesting. So, um, as our listener knows, but you guys don't know, um, we're very involved in the TED movement and TEDx movement, right? Yeah. Which is, um, we say, short-form high stakes communications, right? You're gonna step into that red circle and you're gonna deliver the talk of your life. What's been dawning on me in the last several months as we train people to do that, that the other universe that has short form high stakes communications is exactly what you guys did, right? Because it's short form, it's 10 minutes, so it's anything less than eight, you know, it's between nine and 18 minutes. But it was pretty high stakes, I'm going to imagine, right? I mean, winning is a very big deal for you guys. So I'm going to go back then in that preparation. How much did you focus on the presentation part? So you, you already said that in the deck you focused on the aesthetic of it, the design of it. So you were really thinking about the experience of someone watching that. So now, did that translate over to how you guys presented? Let's just park the content for a second. Yeah. But how you guys presented. Now, listener, I I have some information I'm going to let out now that Austin is a an accomplished practicing magician (laughs) uh, who's you know quite 
accomplished in that area. So this idea of stage presence is not foreign to you. So I want to hear how you applied that to the pitch, the presentation part of the pitch only. Yeah, with the presentation, we were really focused on making that as good as possible. And that probably does come from my magic background. And I, had, I did speech and debate in high school. So I was constantly thinking about how to make the presentation itself really good. So that's something we focused on right from the beginning. Because with a lot of these competitions, it's not just about the idea. The idea, of course, has to be really good. But when you have five teams going up and talking and everyone's sitting there for quite a long time, you know, people will start to, to get bored or to, to, to zone out because it's just yep. human nature. Yep. So you want to, when you step onto the floor, bring everybody back to attention, which means you know, being really passionate about the idea you have and then also being a really good communicator in how you present the idea. And that's one thing that Joshua and I worked really hard on to, to make it entertaining. So give me three things that you did specifically on that. Yeah. Yeah. One well, of those. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. One of those things that we did was we focused on making sure our presentation sounded very conversational, even though it was scripted. So mm. in, to prepare for the speech, instead of just writing out a script and then practicing it, instead we just took our slides that we created and we just went, go, let's start talking. And we started going through the slides. And it would be rough, but every once in a while, we'd find some sort of gem or a line that we really liked, and we'd say, yeah. okay, let's keep that. And we kept practicing this way, finding good lines. So that way, all of our great lines were conversational, but yet still conveyed the point in a concise manner. Yeah. So by the time we got to the end, when we were giving our pitch, it was pretty much all scripted. Like, we would give that pitch multiple times, and it sounded very similar each time, but it also had a very conversational feel, which... I think is really important to keeping people engaged because we've all heard the speaker that just brings their pieces of paper up and they just read. It's brutal. It, it is. It's really tough. And I leave. Yeah. Yeah. I leave. Yeah. yeah. It's like if you don't have any respect for me as an audience member and my intelligence and you didn't feel like you could take the time to memorize this yeah. or at least get the main beats, what am I doing here? Yeah, and yeah. even sometimes when it is memorized, that's definitely better, but it can still sound like they're reading because they wrote it out like an essay, and now they're you know, reciting yep. it. Yeah. So keeping it sounding more like you're just having a conversation, it's a, it sounds more extemporaneous, I think makes it a lot more engaging for everybody. I have a, I have a whole thing about, uh, in my mind, about like don't, don't hire the barber to do plumbing. And it's like, there's like, get, if you've got, if you've got a speech to give, get a speech giver like if you've got a you know like like there's just this feeling to me where it's just kind of like there are a lot of people whose specialty is not standing up in front of an entire audience of people and presenting their idea and that's okay that's totally fine because right. because likewise a lot of speech givers their their best practices or best place to be is not sitting in front of a computer you know coding so it's just this thing of like really like it's tough. Yeah, but it's like I do want to hear the ideas of, of 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 somebody who made an impact and was important at the time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but there's that inauthenticity, right? That comes from like like somebody who's just like memorized something that they were kind of had to present, but they just hate being up there. Yeah. That's the part. Don't hate being up there, I think. Yeah, you have yeah. to be comfortable up there because if you look nervous, it actually makes the audience feel oh, nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. they don't want you to fail up there. They actually want you to do good. And if you're nervous and you're stumbling over yourself, it creates this tension in everybody there. 
That. Unless you're doing that on purpose. Then yeah, exactly. Yeah. If it's on purpose. Magician in trouble. You're building. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Magician in trouble, ah. building drama. Oh, it's a classic case of like, oh, I've screwed up, and yet I'm going to make this amazing. Yeah. Now, you have a magic story that our audience probably hasn't heard. Yeah, I pulled my deck over here so he can show me something later. Okay. Yeah. It's fine. We'll no, get, we'll get, he and no. I will get to that in a moment. Okay, because you're going to love this. Sounds good. Yeah. Oh, well, speaking of magic, Joshua and I actually did magic in our presentation. What? During the pitch. Yeah. Yeah, so we decided there's a whole audience there, and one of the votes is called People's Choice. And the so audience you're at is least going to win that. You're <laughs> like, we're at least getting that. Yeah, we're like, yeah. all right, if, if, we're, if there's going to be an audience, we're doing magic, yeah. right. no doubt. So we had a lot of fun with it because we wanted to incorporate it into the presentation of what we were talking about. So one of the things we did is we were talking about the localized communities. And right. we, we had these name tags. Uh, one of them said Caluthran University. The other said UCLA to represent two different locations. And we each had one on. And then we got to the point where we said, what's great about the app is if you move locations, you move to a new community. And uh, the name tags changed places magically while we were uh, just speaking. Wow. But we didn't say it was magic. We just kind of did it. So everyone in the audience does a, has a double take moment where they go, wait, what just happened? Was, was that magic? I don't even oh, know. The best thing ever is not to call a magic trick a magic trick. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not to be like, well, hey, I would like to show you a magic trick. No, just do a miracle. That's what yes. you need to yeah. do. And just, it, yeah. it took people by surprise because they weren't expecting it, which was really fun. Uh, and it, I think it really made the presentation extremely engaging that we had a couple moments where we actually did magic in it to emphasize some point about what our application does. Uh, so I like that first example. What was another one you did? We did. Uh, we had a deck of cards, like a giant deck, though, so everybody could see it. And it was sliced in half, so you have half the cards on one side and half the cards on the other. And we had judges uh, who were on the panel each select a card. So Josh had someone select a half, technically, since it's sliced in half. So they're like vertical sliced? Yeah, it's like vertically sliced. sliced. So half. every okay. half still has 52 pieces, yes. each having a card on it, and you can see what it is. And uh, the two judges would pick randomly, and then they would both match and have Ooh. the same piece. So the idea is that we're connecting people who think similarly <sighs> together. So super fun. It was a pretty powerful moment in the presentation. How was it? I mean, you guys I love, are. I love when you have to, to describe a completely, totally visual magic trick just with words. Okay, let I me, know. It's let like, explain so the words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to believe this part, but I was literally floating five feet off the ground. Yeah. I know that sounds crazy, but it happened. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the idea, though, that you went to your wheelhouse of magic. Now, I know, um, Austin, you do magic. You were on Penn and Teller's show. That's oh, right. Did you and fool him? It's a mystery. You'll have to uh, you have to look it up and find out. Oh, oh, it hasn't aired yet. No, it has aired. Um, oh. You can find it if it's it's on YouTube. I have a link. I'll put it in the show notes because oh. I know that uh, Jen loves magic, so she's gonna. A lot of a lot of us love magic. Joshua, did you do you do magic as well? I do a little bit or of magic. He teaches as well. you stuff. Uh, no, we both we both do a little bit of magic, and we learn together. We kind of collaborate together. Uh-huh. And we're also both junior members at the Magic Castle in Hollywood. I, the, the picture that you will see in the show notes is of them standing in front of the Magic Castle. Yes. So I went there on my 21st birthday. Oh, that was oh, my really? birthday oh, wow. party. Uh, what, well, that uh, had to be what, like 72? 
Yeah, come on. No, no, no. This no. is important because if inside of it the was, magic conversation, was, that that means a different crew is going to be there. It was seventy four. Seventy four. Okay. And who yeah, would you see? Twenty one. You know? I do not remember who I saw. Because yeah, you know, Di Vernon was bumping around at that time. He yeah. That's right. right. I'm right. surprised you know Di Vernon. That's you awesome. should not oh, be surprised about. Okay, this I need to hear this magic yes. story. He he knows magic. He oh, knows yeah. Di Vernon. Oh, yeah, yeah. The professor. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I was the secretary to the Santa Barbara Santa Barbara Society of Magicians when I moved here when I was twenty. This really? Oh, really? <laughs> uh, watching old guys do coin uh, manipulation that just blew me away. I uh, just those were all the guys went. from those were the guys from World War II, and yeah, they had exactly. nothing else to do but sit around and make coin, you know, yeah, make for coins thousands disappear. of hours. Uh-huh. Yeah, so they just, did they teach you anything while you were the secretary? Tons of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, I loved all of that, but that was, you know, a couple of years ago. But I still have that that love of magic. Um, I took Kimberly. Uh, our listener knows Kimberly is my wife. Uh, took her there for her 35th birthday, and we got the Houdini room, had a private Ooh. party in the Houdini oh, room. Oh, that's nice. Which was fun. And the Houdini room at the Magic... So for those of you who don't know, the Magic Castle is the clubhouse for magicians, right? They're, you're all members. And uh, if you know a magician... Not you everybody's can, a member of the Magic Castle. That is a very small group. Th- them saying that they're junior members is... I mean, it's, it's a what, big 200 deal. of you maybe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. about that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you get a... you If you know a magician, you it is a member, you can get a guest card. Right. And you can take eight, seven, and yourself and go there for dinner. And it is th- one of the most fun things to do oh, yeah. that I know of. Yeah. And, it's the best um, thing to do in Hollywood. Oh, my gosh. And um, they're building an adjunct yeah. up here in Santa Barbara, right? Uh-huh. So Milt bought a facility. Have you guys ever met Milt Larson? See, I don't think I've met You'd him remember in person. No, yeah, I haven't. Yeah. I, I think I've walked by, and he's been like yeah, sure. walking yeah. around the castle. But I never actually went up and, and chatted with him. He's a great guy. Of though. all places, I saw him at Ralph's. Yeah, shop really, really. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's, he that's, just he's he's like people. He's, he's like, like a normal people. guy. <laughs> I think his license. What got me was is I was pulling into Ralph's, and I saw the. Uh, it was like I think he's got a Thunderbird convertible, like an old. It was a beautiful car. Sure. But I think his license plate says it's magic. And I was like, yeah. oh, how cool is that? And then I look, and there's this very elderly gentleman. But isn't it I- ITSMGC? Yes. Yeah. And I go, hold it. That's Milt Larson. And I was like, okay, I don't ever do this, but I'm doing it. I pulled over. <laughs> I got out and went and introduced myself. And, and he introduced you to the I, three showgirls that yeah. were fully dressed in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> the talking dog. And, and, the, the, you and know. it was gushing. It was fun. Yeah. What, I, what, I, what I love, though, is how that's – a passion for you. I mean, it has to be a passion. You can't be a good magician unless you're passionate enough to do the the practice that it takes the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hours. Yet you found a way to blend that with your love of computers and wanting to build this app and building it into a presentation. I can't say that I've heard that before. Do you think that was a key bit to getting you to win? I think it definitely was because it's really unique and that helps because it stands out as something that the judges haven't seen before, both from in the presentation that we did to the magic we did. And I know the judges commented on how unique they thought that was. Isn't that crazy, though, that like nobody else, it didn't occur to anybody else to, in all of these competitions to right? do some magic tricks? I know. It's, yeah. I people guess, love magic. I know. People love magic, but unless you are a magician yourself or come from that, maybe you know it doesn't click for you, which is why I think it's great because with these competitions, everyone brings their own background and experience 
that kind of influences how they approach it, mm-hmm. which makes everything really inventive, all the ideas that people come up with. It, it feels like you guys have an opportunity, and, and you've probably talked about this, that one of the great things about computers and apps and all of this is like, like how did that happen? Like magical stuff happens. Like I work with AI a lot now, and it's just like, how did how the heck did that happen? It feels like there's an opportunity for you to, without, I, I like what Patrick said, don't call it a magic trick, but things happen that surprise, let's say that, yeah, that yeah. surprise the user, but in a really gleeful, joyful way. They's like, oh, how'd that happen? Hmm, that was interesting. Have you considered that? Yeah, I know there's a famous quote uh, that says, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic because you don't know how it works. Most people don't know how their cell phones work, and it kind of is like magic that you can pick it up and talk to somebody halfway across the world. And I think that surprise, like you mentioned, is the essence of magic, and that is something that you can translate to app development or any type of technology. When something happens that isn't expected, but you're excited that it happened because it just wowed you. That's really the the feeling of magic that I think you can translate. It feels like there's somewhere in there is the thing that's going to set you guys apart. Right? It obviously did in your presentation, but something in because you're going to need something in the app beyond geocaching and like-mindedness and those Anybody kinds of things. Anybody can solve a problem, right? Like that's the whole doctor thing, right? Like like stop hitting your like every time I hit myself in the knee it hurts. Well, stop hitting <laughs> yourself in the knee, right? Like right. anybody can solve that can get the gap. But, you know, like there there were how many Facebooks before Facebook? There was Friendster, MySpace. You know, there were yeah. dozens and dozens of people chomping at that. It's the way in which you solved the problem. Right. It's the panaz. It's the tilt of the hat. It's the, you know, the angle with which you approach the problem to solve it. Because we don't just need problems solved, right? Like we need to have things added to our lives that have a, a meaningful feel. Oh, a good value add. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to that point, it, it, you didn't do uh, – magic as an attractor, like I'm going to do this magic thing just to get you to pay attention. As you said in the beginning, you said we need to get them to pay attention to us and we have to stand out. But it was integrated and it made sense. It wasn't a tack on, a tacky tack on even. It was like, (laughs) oh, see this work, you know, you connected the dots. You guys didn't reach for a magic app out of the gate though? You were looking for like mass appeal, like, right? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. we were looking for something that would appeal beyond just the, the world of magicians, but yeah. it, You get the 14-year-old boy market then covered, right? Because that's... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right? You know. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of amazed. I'm, I'm, I haven't really done a, a quick look right, lately, but, um, you know, with, with Potter, with Harry Potter as a, as a it's, you know, coming up on the anniversary, the 20th anniversary. That's right. It just seems weird to me that there's not more conversation around kids learning sleight of hand and, and, and that behavior, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm naive to the, to the movement. I have seen interest in magic going up over the last, I don't know, five, ten years. I think because it's in pop culture a lot more. You see magic on a lot of TV shows nowadays that are about magic. Also in television shows and movies, like Now You See Me, you have a group of magicians. Sort of. Running God, heist. That was weird. <laughs> it's, it's not it's weird, full yeah. on magic, but it's in pop culture, so it gets young kids interested in, whoa, there's this thing magic that I can there's learn. There's a thing, The yeah. Magicians. Wasn't that a show? Yeah, it was a TV show. The Magicians right. was a TV show that was on. There's another one that just got re- greenlit about 
I think, a sleight-of-hand magician who helps the FBI solve cases or something. God, I, this, I, I, <laughs> I appreciate him because it's like it's this beautiful, charming thing. But you know that's like somebody's pet project in the background where they're just like, hey, we just – and so either they're going to do one of two things. Either they're going to bring in an actual magician who's a terrible actor or they're going to bring in an actor who's a terrible magician. Like you can't get – you're not going to get both, right? Yeah. That's true. I've not had uh, friends who have been like the hand doubles Sure. I was just going to say hand, you need a hand so double. So when they do the close-ups and they're doing crazy shuffles and everything, it's, right. it cuts to somebody else's hands. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then it, they'll do the awesome – Did you know that was – listener, did you know that was a job you can get? Yeah. That's kind of a cool job. <laughs> you, can, you can be a hand double. <laughs> so um, I need to ask because where do you guys live? Simi Valley. In, C in Simi. So Moore Park is right near you. Have you had a chance to meet Collins Key? I have. Absolutely. Yes. Who is Collins Key? Tell him who Collins yeah, Key is. Yeah, Collins Key, he's a magician. He was on America's Got Talent, and now he's a big YouTuber. He's an influencer on YouTube. 25 million views on yeah. his video from two weeks ago. Yeah, 5 million subscribers. He's blown up on YouTube. It's really Number interesting. Number one. I knew Collins really well, even before America's Got Talent. Uh, both of us, we went to the same magic club. We were really good friends. Uh, so, yeah, he's a great guy, great magician. And uh, he's doing a lot of innovative stuff because he's translating magic to the YouTube technology space in a way exactly. that nobody else really has to this point. So yeah. it's, it's awesome what he's doing. Very, very fun to watch. Now, I know you're doing videos as well, right? Yeah, I do have a YouTube channel that I, I post videos up, either my performances on Penn and Teller Fool Us and other places. Things like that, yeah. How much time do you have left for that now that you guys are <laughs> budding entrepreneurs? It's a bit crazy. Uh, a little bit of sleep deprivation, and then you just get everything young, done, right? You're yeah. young. You're sleep, young. You can sleep later. Yeah. So what kind of – so we, we've got the CS part handled. We've got the, the venture comp done, which gives you guys some visibility. Where are you on the business side of all of this in terms of your education? In terms of education? Yeah, I mean, you're thinking, well, maybe we ought to take some business classes or maybe we ought to do, I mean, is that in your future? Or are you going to stay on the tech side and then go part, go find someone who's already doing the business side? I'm definitely really interested in the business side of things as well because I've already taken some business classes and I've really enjoyed that process of learning not just how the technology runs but actually how to run the business yep. that, that encompasses everything that, yep. that needs to happen. Yeah. That's a, you've got a, uh, you guys know Mike Panessis? Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, he's a guy you want to become very, very good friends with. Mike's a good friend of the show. He's been on the show. He is the kind of guy who can help you through a lot of these things. He's got years of experience in this. And, and uh, now when you go show up on his doorstep, say, Mark said, uh, he, he's a, an amazing resource in this community. But because you've got that connection of having one, I think he's going to, he'll be a door opener for you guys. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, what did you actually win with the NVC? Yeah. So the top prize was $3,000. Okay. And, and then on top of that, they just had some different giveaways where they were giving out different products that other small businesses created. Okay. As well, like some speakers and a tracking device for, so you can find your keys easily. The tracker guys? Yeah. 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 Here in Santa Barbara? That's a that's a yeah. great story. Those yeah, guys. and also I'm blanking on the name, but those backpacks that are made out of billboards, rare form. Uh, they had what? them sponsoring the competition as well. They were on Shark Tank recently. Did rare really well. form. Yes, I believe that's the name. So they take old billboards, the ones you see when you're driving on the 101, and 
they convert them into bags. Is that a local company? I don't know uh, where they're based, but it's really creative, really innovative. I think it, it, it might be because there's probably a connection between somehow with NBC and those guys. That's what I was how they Which is how they got those. So um, school just finished. Yes. So what's the summer look like for you guys? Are you all app all the time? So at least for me, I do a lot of programming. I also like to, I'm an independent video game developer as well. So I like okay. to develop video games on the side. And that's actually how I started getting into programming in the first place. That's right. You have actually an interesting story about designing one of your early video games, right? Yeah. So it started off getting into programming where I was playing video games on the small Nintendo handheld, Nintendo Game Boy Advance, and I wanted to develop video games for that system, but at the time, those if you wanted to get a development kit, it would probably be somewhere around $25,000. It was for larger companies. It wasn't really for hobbyists. Right. But some data about the Game Boy got leaked before it was released Uh and people started developing third-party tools for it where you could legally build small games for it uh, as a hobbyist. And so I started learning that and began beginning programming. How old were you? I was around 12 years old, I'd say. So I was pretty young. So I just did some basic things like a small Pong game. Sure. And my dad built a small skiing game where you'd ski downhill. Computer scientist, yes. Okay, got it. Where's he work? Uh, he is right now at DXC Technology. Got it. Okay. And so it was fun to build to build games for this small system, but of course you want to get your games onto the system. So sure. there's two ways to do that. One way is the Game Boy has a cable that you can connect to it where two Game Boys can do multiplayer. And you could buy a special cable which allows you to basically trick the Game Boy into thinking it was doing multiplayer when in reality you were just downloading your game to the system. Uh-oh. So that was one way to get onto it. And then the other way would be having an actual cartridge. So, you know, you could buy these third-party cartridges and legally burn build your own games burn and, yeah. and burn them on there. So it was a fun way to just dabble in programming and... That's where my interest started. Do you think there's there's got to be some moment in there though um, that makes that sets you apart, in the, the, whether you've realized it or not, that from being you know just standard pro consumer who's just like I'm just going to absorb all of this information that's handed to me, and the person who says I just I can't tolerate just accepting whatever I get. I need to somehow add my narrative to it. Like your idea of like like you were drawn to Pong, so that's a very specific choice by you. Versus like saying, you know, your dad who was like, oh, I'll make a skiing game. Right. And so it's like, you know, like those those kind of like decisions to, to move away from just consuming to saying like, no, I'm going to make the meal myself. I'm going to work on, you know, figuring out what I actually like and how I actually enjoy it. And that's that's something that that's really it's nice to, to see that. And you need to acknowledge that that you're you're unha- you're unwilling to accept whatever you're handed and that you're going to go forward and make new things, which is probably why you guys have had such good success with what you're creating right now. That's mostly a compliment, not a question. I know you were yeah. looking at me like waiting <laughs> for the question. <laughs> so that's, that's a great yeah. point, though, because that's, I think, a large part of the spirit of entrepreneurship, which is not just consuming, but actually thinking, wait, I, I could do something better. I want to create something myself. Yep. And having that 
that drive. Well, but even when they don't, when you, when the tools don't exist, and you're like, okay, like how can we? This Game Boy does <laughs> not take information. How can I trick it into taking information? That's a huge step to kind of treat the entirety of your life with. Like, how can yeah. I fool a machine into accepting a new bit? Of, I mean, you're already doing magic. You're doing magic at twelve. Yeah. <laughs> trying to trick a Game Boy, an right. inanimate yeah. object that we personify. Exactly. Calling yeah. it a boy. So you're, you're, <laughs> this is next level. We're getting meta here. This yeah, is there, yeah, well, yeah. I'm going to take it up one more because sitting in the seat where where you are, Joshua, was Trip Hawkins. You ever hear of him? You ever heard of Trip Hawkins? Hmm. Not top of my head. No. Okay, you want to Google that name? Trip Hawkins. Yeah, he was the founder of Electronic Arts. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. And he lives here in Santa Barbara. Created Madden, everything. Like essentially invented, you know, the video game. Plot, he was the guy, one games. of the original guys at Apple. Yeah. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, he was. It, I, my favorite line from that, and you go back to the, the back Zero, catalog the and listen, line. was when I, yeah, because we were talking about uh, Xerox Park, who invented the mouse, and how uh, Jobs had, uh, you know, appropriated that, that, that yeah. ego. And I said, well, when they went, and, and Tripp goes, I was driving the car when we went there. I was like, oh, okay, cool, awesome. Let's <laughs> oh, wow. He's, Did he go uh, inside? Oh yeah, no, he was no, he was the he guy. He wasn't just the driver. He was like part of the conspiracy the, to do this. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. He was <laughs> yeah, he tells us that story in the show. So yeah. it was um he, he's another really good guy. I I'm curious um what's next for you guys? I mean, is are you just look you can only really see 30 days out or are you can you can you give me like a 18 month view? Yeah. Well, right now, of course, that it's summer, I'm working on the Weave application and then also doing magic as well, because that's something I'm always doing. And is that a paid gig for you? It is, yeah. So I perform up at, of course, the Magic Castle in Hollywood and then also at private parties and corporate events uh, where people bring me in. Actually, one of your sponsors, uh, Tolman & Weicker, yeah. I did uh, a corporate event for them there not too long Love ago. It. Great. Yeah. Thank you so for supporting youth magic. Yeah. Thank it. you, Tolman & Weicker. Yes. Uh, yeah, so I've been doing that and then just working on the Weave app as well and then getting ready for another year of school. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and then for me, like 18 months wise, I guess I'm working, of course, on the Weave app and then beyond that, just uh, my video game development on the side. And I'm Now, working... is that making you any money? Uh, as of the now, game development? it is starting to make some money because I'm doing a little bit of work for a small company, mm. and they're building some mobile apps. So I'm getting paid for that, yes. Okay, good, that's fun. Um, any further questions here before I wanna, I wanna get to some magic which we can't show you on the air because it's you not gonna make any sense. You might be surprised about how good it is. Yeah, your reaction will sell this. Yeah, okay. you, you wanna try it? Yeah, so we're gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll leave our audience with, um, I love magic, so this could be a time, we could be here for hours, Patrick, just so you know. I, I often am. <laughs> <laughs> Editing, yeah. It's my day. studio, yes. so yeah, you know. yeah. Okay, here we go. Let's see, so we have a deck of playing cards. Which and was Patrick just, handed. just handed them to me. Right, yes. so you yes. haven't touched those. It's a cold deck. It is. It's yeah. a cold deck, but I'll give them a quick little mix. And then if you could just reach in, Mark, and take out a card. Okay, I've now, got important a card. that I don't see it, so make yep. sure Patrick can see it. Don't let my brother see it because you'd think you know, we were doing something. He's Some got psychic. code. Exactly, Some yeah. Yes, yeah. He's tapping <laughs> you let, let everybody else see it. Okay, and then just it. slide the card in there at some okay, point. Got it. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show Mark a whole bunch of cards, uh, mm -hmm. like this one, uh, for instance, the Eight of Hearts. Yep. And for every card I show you, I want you to say, that's my card. Now, Ooh, even if it's for not every your card, card you show me, that's yeah, you're my gonna card. say that's my card. I'm gonna try and determine 
whether you're telling the truth or not. Okay. Okay. So okay, got it. Uh, here's kind of the first one. Just say that's my card. That's my card. Perfect. All right. Here we go. Uh, first card's the Ten of Hearts. That's my card. Okay. And I'm just kind of watching your reaction. I don't think that was it. Let's go to the next one. The King of Spades. That's my card. Definitely not the King of Spades. Let's go to the next one. King of Hearts. That's my card. Not the King of Hearts either. He has very strong eye contact, which is good. Uh, but Okay, let's go with this one. The Joker with the guarantee symbol That's on it. That's my card. Okay, you know what? On that one, I actually, I believe you, Mark. What was your real card? Go ahead and say it out loud. King of Spades. It's King of Spades? Yes, it was. Okay, you remember that that Joker? That that's it. It's now the King <laughs> of Spades. It was very nice. Very well nice. played, sir. Yeah. For those for those at home, we saw the King of Spades get thrown onto the onto the table. Yeah. Oh yeah, in fact, it was on the table. Mark, do you want to turn those over? I'm gonna. S- everything Mark can do not to check. Yeah, I don't want to touch it. That's nope, the... that's not. Nope, not there. Lovely. A not there. A beautiful. <laughs> and the play. Joker wasn't there. I thought maybe the Joker would be there, but. That was spectacular. Oh, thank you. I love card magic. I love... What's your favorite trick? My favorite trick. God, what a, what a crazy it's, question. It's a tough question because <laughs> everything's oh, like your favorite baby. Right? So how can you make something more impossible? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's my quote for the show. Thank you. Yeah, how can you make something more impossible? Okay, while you're thinking about your favorite trick, um, I'm going to... Because we're right bumping up against time. You guys get to name the show. So what, uh, what are we going to call this episode? Oh. Ooh. How about when technology becomes magic? How how about you practice that at home? <laughs> I, I, just of that. I don't know. <laughs> when technology becomes magic, Joshua, unless you want to like, I like that. that. I like that. Right <laughs> off top of the head, nice one. I, I like right. it. That's a win right there. Do you know how hard that is for most people when we ask them that to name the show? Really? Oh yeah. Is it's that something impossible. you do with every guest? Yeah. Every it's guest. It's always their challenge. People know. What makes it more fun? You know, the, to name because oh, we've yeah. got oh, yeah. one hundred and sixty ish or more episodes, and uh, Issa will tell us exactly because she's listened to them all. <laughs> um, but imagine you're, you guys are going to get this episode, you're going to send it to your friends, and you're going to get everybody to listen to it because it's a really good episode. And now they want to listen to something else, so they're going to look in the back catalog, and it's what's going to attract them, yeah. the title, yeah. right? because they don't know who these people are, so it's got to be the title. So we think you know your thing better and we let you name it and it frequently turns out wonderful like this guys thank you so much for for being on the guest on the show congratulations for winning thank you so much Uh, we'll put links to everything and then promise that when you have something up on weave let us know we'll amend the show notes and add it there because people the nice thing about podcasting is kind of evergreen so the person who's listening to this show right now it might be two years from now that they're listening to it yeah so right you might have something done so welcome to the show and and with that patrick yeah uh, i think it's a wrap that was that was uh very good i also want to thank california lutheran university school of management and tolman and weicker insurance services and our podcasting partner Polestring press if you're interested in partnering with our podcast, just drop us a note to partner at 805connect.com. Patrick, yeah. uh, the young budding magicians who listen <laughs> to the show who are yeah. also that Venn diagram of magicians and budding entrepreneurs. So that thin slice right in the middle, what should they do right now? Well, 
I'm sorry. As you were asking that question, I was thinking of three different answers. But um, uh, uh, you know, rate, write, review. Go back and look through the rest of our catalog. There's all sorts of other interesting people out there uh, that you should listen to from our previous shows. Uh, call your mother, which is always the uh, the standard one that I let you know you need to look in on your mother. But but the young magician out there, right yeah. now, there's somebody yeah. who's thinking about doing magic. Um, in in the world, there are these incredible shops. These magic mm. shops in Portland, mm. Oregon. There was a Callan Novelty Shop. Uh, it's not there anymore. Uh, it's gone. It used to be run by a man named Conrad Weber uh, when I worked there in the 1990s. And um, but go find your local magic shop. They're still out there. Go in. Fall in love with the uh, the opportunity to uh, make minor miracles and defy the laws of physics right in front of people, uh, and uh, buy a magic trick from somebody, uh, not just on the internet. That's my advice. I love that. Uh, I love magic. I love magic shops. I love if you get a chance to go to the Magic Castle and find a way, go do that. I would love to hear from you if you've got an idea for a guest on an upcoming show. That's where we get our guests is from your ideas. We appreciate that. You can drop me a line at mark at 805connect.com. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. Mm -hmm.